Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks is brought to you by the Jefferson College of Population Health, academic partner and curator of the Population Health Colloquium, hosted in the city of brotherly love at the Lowe's Philadelphia Hotel from March 18th through the 20th. For more information, visit www.populationhealthcolloquium.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show and managing director at Health Innovation Media. And in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week. Welcome, Fred. Hello, Greg. Great to be back on. I'm glad you're here. For those of you not familiar with Fred, he's a veteran, healthcare executive, and the president of Accountable Health, LLC a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. And now for today's special guests, David B. Nash, MD, MBA, at Nash Pop Health on Twitter, is the founding and current dean of the Jefferson College of Population Health. Follow the college at jefferson.jcph on Twitter. And Nikki Buchanan, at Nikki Oz Buchanan, N-I-K-I-O-Z-B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N on Twitter, is the business leader at the PHM Group at Phillips. And with that abbreviated introduction, Fred, over to you. Let's hear from Dr. Nash and Nikki Buchanan. Thanks so much, Greg. And uh, David, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be back. Great to have you guys helping. And uh, welcome, everybody. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on as well. And Nikki, welcome to you, too. Thank you, and hello from Atlanta. Fantastic. We've got people from all over the country today to talk about uh, population health and the colloquium, et cetera. So, David, we've been another year out coming up on another fantastic conference, it looks like, which we'll get into a little bit later. Give us a sense a little bit from your perch, what's changed, and uh, maybe what's the feeling is about population health as we go into the conference this year? Well, thanks again, Fred and Greg. Yeah, what's changed? We're all a year older. Holy mackerel. How'd that happen? Uh, I think a couple of things have changed, certainly on the national scene and uh, in our field, in no particular order. I think um, <clears throat> healthcare is still our number one domestic issue. Even looking at the State of the Union last night, and drug costs as one example, healthcare is our top national issue other than national security. And that's no surprise, as our listeners are well aware. Fred, we're talking about $3 trillion industry dwarfing every other business in our great country. And of that $3 trillion, as some of our listeners appreciate, probably one-third is of no value and even potentially harmful. Can you name another industry that's $3 trillion a year where a trillion of it is of, no, of modest to no value? I can't. So. I think uh, we're a year uh, from last year. That's certainly still a page one issue. Another page one issue is that C 
Seema Verma and Secretary Alex Azar, they're starting to sound like Democrats. They want to have potentially reduce the cost of drugs, improve access, promote bundle payment. Raise your hand if you miss Secretary Tom Price. So <laughs> I think that's new. And I think the third thing is that uh, I don't have to explain every single day what is population health. I think finally we're at our 10th birthday here in the nation's first college population health, and the number of persons asking me what it does it mean has significantly decreased, which gives an old guy like me a lot of confidence that we're making some progress. So those are my three observations, Fred. That's fantastic. So now that we've got population health becoming an accepted norm in the industry and, and working to solve that 30% uh, waste, et cetera, you've also been using this phrase, no outcome, no out income for a while, and yeah. it's taken hold. So what's driven that? And talk a little bit about that phrase itself. Sure. So let's just take a moment and thank all of our listeners for promulgating the no outcome, no income way of thinking. I mean, we've been talking about this for almost a decade. You know, we trademark that, so anytime someone says it, they owe me a nickel. But seriously, <laughs> no outcome, no income is uh, where we got to go. Here's the punchline. It's how we believe the road from volume to value that road has a lot of potholes on it. Everybody knows this. In terms of lack of the evidentiary basis, waste, error, poor coordinated care, all of the above. The only way we're going to get further along this road from volume to value, we've got to pave this road with the tenets of pop health management, care coordination, risk stratification, closure of the feedback loop to clinicians, teamwork in the care of patients, going upstream, shut the faucet instead of mopping up the floor, giving doctors, nurses, and pharmacists good information about what it is they're doing every day. Those are all the things that we're teaching and researching and writing about at our college. And quite frankly, the same theme, no outcome, no income, is threaded throughout the 19th Population Health Colloquium here in Philadelphia just about six weeks from now. That's fantastic. Thank you, David. And, you know, building on that, Nikki, this whole move to no outcome, no income, one of the key pieces of that that is getting much more attention is this whole concept of patient engagement. So I know uh, Philip has been pretty active in, in uh, technology, et cetera. Are there ways you're working in that area to help uh, leverage that technology to improve patient engagement? Absolutely. And much like David says, um, I feel great that we're actually finally moving in the right trend as well. The fact that we're even considering the way the patient wants to report their outcome or the impact that healthcare is having on them is meaning that we are taking huge strides um, in, in advancing our technology capabilities for the benefit of the patient. So yes, to answer your question, Philip specifically has been working on patient engagement and patient reported outcomes via our solutions and technology uh, for the past several years. You know, we believe patient engagement that allows a patient to have increased touch points with the health system beyond your typical hospital stay or your primary care type visit. And anytime you allow the patient to have additional touch points, uh, most likely, you're going to increase the patient satisfaction effort as well as 
uh, provide other ways of managing their disease or their chronic condition over a period of time. So three technologies um, that I'd love to call out specifically. Uh, remote patient monitoring technology plays a, a huge role um, in engaging the patient. Simple things that are at our fingertips every day as consumers like having applications living on your phone or your iPad that allow you to f do a follow-up survey based on a visit or answer a questionnaire based on how you're feeling today, uh, input your data through, uh, you know, through weight measurement and vitals back to your healthcare provider so they can manage your condition on a daily basis, or even being sent a text reminder about a follow-up visit or a medication that you need to take. These are all simple things that Philips has been promoting for years in the industry, and we're so glad it's finally gaining attention and traction. Two other areas where technologies are advancing are around medication adherence. Uh, we've got solutions today that allow a patient to take home a device that allows it to dispense their appropriate types of medication throughout the day, which is really important in complex comorbid cases. Um, and it even extends a little reminder to them through a voice protocol and then also tells the provider, sends the data back to the provider when a patient is not being adherent with their medication and can also notify the family members of these patients. So it's a different form of patient engagement technology, and it's holding patients accountable to the script or the recommendation from a provider. But again, it's a way of extending and reinforcing the care team and overall compliance. And last but not least, we've seen uh, opportunities to work with skilled nursing facilities and leverage technology like Blue Willow today that is simply a tracking device for patients living in these facilities that allows data to be transferred to family members to let them know how their family member is doing in these facilities. Are they up and about every day? Are they going to visit the garden? Are they participating in bingo events? And if they're not, notifying the care team, the family care team, that they are not moving about as expected. These are all ways that increase the patient engagement from various types of perspectives within healthcare. What gets me the most excited in answering your question is that finally CMS is looking at these ways to reimburse providers to provide this type of care. And that is the winning thing for all of us when a provider can change their workflow to meet a patient outcome and also be reimbursed for it. That's what I'm most excited about this year. Those are all, all great examples, and one of the issues has been, or concerns from providers themselves has been, boy, there's just going to be this influx of data. How do I sort it? What's meaningful or not? I assume you've sort of built those into the platform itself. So, for example, whether you're pulling adherence data or some of the others, you're, you're just filtering those out so it's just not a data overload for the provider. That's, that's exactly right. Our whole goal, and I announced this last year at Colloquium, is that we believe any data coming back in for the care of a patient needs to be integrated with the EMR. So every time we build or create or purchase a new company to fit into our model of extending care to the patient outside of the hospital, we make sure that technology 
enabled data is able to be translated back into the EMR. We have, uh, we have partners that help us do that through various ribbons and technology like Holon. And we, of course, work with groups that allow for patient referral uh, information as well to connect the data points for the ultimate care. If it's not in the clin clinician's workflow, it's not appropriate. And so we will do anything we can with the technology to ensure that's the case. Great. Thanks. David, you, you know, PROs and patient reported outcomes is becoming a really hot topic. Um, and as, as Nikki pointed out, obviously it's, it's fantastic that now these services are beginning to be reimbursed from a fee-for-service basis. But over time, as you've talked about with this no outcome, no income, we're moving to a different model in terms of payment reimbursement. How will these sort of fit within that? and How do you think providers will deal with that? Yeah, great question. I just want to say I'm so excited to have Nikki Buchanan be one of our kickoff plenary speakers, and we're grateful for the support we get from Phillips. I mean, she's at the center of the engagement storm, so how exciting all that new technology when you think about a company as global as Philips focusing on patient engagement, that is super exciting. So look, our view is pretty straightforward, very much aligned with Nikki and Philips. You can't have improvement in the health of the population if the population isn't engaged in improving their health. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. And we think the technology, a lot of it created by Philips, is certainly one way to engage with patients. To answer your question about the patient-reported outcomes, I think providers, integrated delivery systems, managed care companies, hospitals, clinically integrated networks, look, anybody who touches the patient would really like to know at the ground level how they're doing. And a patient-reported outcome gives us an actionable benchmark. You know, how do we know we're doing a good job? Well, you're only going to improve what you measure. So a PRO is a great jumping off point, a great potential benchmark, uh, a, a great aspiration goal. I mean, in my clinical training, it was sort of, uh, you know, one person, one problem, one at a time. Uh, that's how most clinicians, at least of my ilk, have been trained. I think the patient-reported outcomes giving you patient-level data from, you know, a significant number of patients, well, that could really change clinical practice. So we see it as part of closing the feedback loop, if you would. So patient engagement, closing the feedback loop, that all helps us to promote no outcome, no income. Right. And don't I think, David, over time, these sort of technologies that, that add these additional efficiencies, et cetera, as you move to, say, bundled payments or even decapitation, anything that can be done to improve that outcome, reduce costs, is going to be a benefit within that new value-based model. You, you bet. Gets back to where we were 10 minutes ago, Fred, a trillion dollars of waste. <laughs> Come on. Anything that can reduce that waste and then you reapportion those resources makes an awful lot of sense to me. So, Nikki, as this technology goes out there, and obviously various institutions are at different places with their, with their capabilities, how much of it they've implemented or not, but it's certainly, it seems like just as with population health where we've sort of reached that peak and now we're going to get the rush down to get this implemented, these newer technologies are coming in as well. And I know you recently had an announced partnership regarding this remote patient monitoring with New York Presbyterian. Could you discuss that a bit? Sure. Uh, New York Presbyterian is a wonderful organization. Um, it's, of course, 
quite a distributed network. Uh, they see over 2.6 million patients a year. They've got 10 hospital campuses, 150 ambulatory facilities. They have 10,000 affiliated physicians in their network, and they have over 4,000 beds. But the problem they came to Phillips with is their inability to serve all of the patients coming in through their ED and ultimately being readmitted to the hospital because they did not have a way to track patients outside of their hospital settings. So they came to us after a three-year uh, strategy and vision uh, building process for creating a virtual care strategy. And what's so cool about New York Presbyterian, they first involved the clinicians in the vision and the strategy for virtual care, but then they also agreed and created workflow processes, change management within the health system practice to get everyone to focus and standardize the way they do care by disease or by program. So not only did they put the change management parts in place, then they went out and found the vendor that would help support those new activities. And their whole goal was to increase access to the system to of course improve outcomes, which is what we're all about, and then reduce the cost, reduce the ways that they were caring for patients within their network. They realized very quickly that in order to scale and speed up a virtual healthcare strategy, they need to allow them to do basically five things. Their five areas of focus or their suite of services are deploying remote patient monitoring services for second opinions to also reduce the wait time in their emergency departments, to leverage their urgent care facilities as remote care facilities for specialists to using technology, video conference in and see patients, not necessarily have them travel location to location. Of course, do virtual visits and follow-up visits. And then because they have such a large network of specialty or specialists in their network, they wanted to take those specialists, get them practicing at the top of their license and provide ways that they could do specialty consults for patients within any of these areas where there was overcrowding or high wait time. So luckily for us, they had done a lot of that change management internally and focused on five areas. And now they're working with us. We are having them focus in even more, reducing those ED visits by providing standards of care for CHS patients and COPD patients. So we are focusing on two specific programs where we know they can reduce the cost of care by providing those remote services to patients in their home and following up on that care over a series of weeks or you know, specified by clinical protocols so that they know what's going on with that patient outside of the in-hospital setting. Any uh, partnership? Yes, that's, go ahead. That's, that's fantastic, Nikki. Really a, a, a broad approach, and I like the fact you brought in, the, obviously, the, the employees themselves and the others to try to help this because it, it really is, in many senses, a difficult change, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, anytime we disrupt, right, or change a protocol or a clinical workflow that has been a standard for 40-plus years, it requires change manage management methodology. It, it also requires executives buying in and helping 
incent the providers to do the right thing to change this type of care. Great. I know that uh, you and Phillips will have a, a rather substantial presence at the conference coming up. Can you give us a little sense of what you'll be speaking about without giving away the whole presentation? Of course, of course. So by far, this is one of my favorite events every year. Um, it is such a wide industry perspective of what is trending in population health. Um, it is a good glimpse or preview for the year of where the puck is going in healthcare. But best of all, it, it really does provide all of us that are in healthcare true insights to innovation um, because of the way the Jefferson School organizes this event. It is it's such a great event for networking um, and for sharing, you know, what, what you believe uh, your story is as a vendor like us. So I'll be sharing, of course, in a little bit more detail, the NYP story. I will have on stage with me our, our lead director from New York Presbyterian sharing how they are doing remote patient monitoring and how that promotes their digital and virtual care strategy. I'm also going to share some recent uh, stories from some new customer types that are leveraging these types of technologies, both from a payer perspective as well as a pharmacy perspective. So we hope that in our time together at the colloquium, we'll be able to share uh, some of our key areas of focus in 2019. And of course, that means the patients at the center, but we're going to leverage our opportunity as the vendor to connect this ecosystem of healthcare providers, pharmacies, and payers to serve the patients appropriately in 2019. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of taste of where I'm going. Um, and of course, the excitement. To, to work with this group um, just never ends. I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of it. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it, Nikki. I know it's going to be fantastic. And I love your comment about this conference being an insights to innovation. It really is. And, and population health is a very, uh, what, I, what I consider sort of the foundational approach now, whether you're talking value-based care, et cetera. So David, as we come up on this colloquium, what will people be expected to hear and who will be there and discuss some of yeah. those insights to innovation? Well, thanks, Fred. And so in addition to Nikki, who we're thrilled to host for sure, uh, we have uh, folks literally from all over the country, and I'm very proud this year, too, lots of uh, female leaders from every sector of our big industry. So just to name a couple of the headliners in no particular order, I'm thrilled that uh, Heather Cox in her brand-new role as the Senior Vice President for All Things Digital for Humana this will be her first appearance at the colloquium. We're thrilled to have her. Uh, Peggy O'Kane, known to everybody as the founder, of course, and president of NCQA, uh, she's going to be part of the action. I also want to emphasize in the two pre-conferences, we have so many fantastic people coming, including four of the top venture-backed primary care companies like Oak Street and Absolute Care, so super exciting and the leaders of the Population Health Alliance. Deeper into the program, uh, for the first time again, is uh, Dr. Karen DeSalvo. People recognize Dr. DeSalvo. She rescued New Orleans during Katrina as the Commissioner of Health and then was President Obama's number two at HHS and then ran the Office of the National Clinical IT Director. So she's amazing. Lena Wynn, now the president of Planned Parenthood, coming from the commissioner of health for the city of Baltimore, probably one of the fastest rising stars in pop health nationwide. 
our very own Dr. Steve Clasco, number two in modern healthcare's list of the most powerful people in healthcare. And he, of course, is our fearless leader at Jefferson Health. Uh, he'll be there and he'll help me uh, also on stage, which is great. And then uh, just to put icing on this cake, on the special Tuesday night dinner, you could come and meet Meredith Vieira and Max Gomez in person. And they're going to be talking with my good friend, Dr. Robin Smith, about cells are the new cure. That's all about precision medicine and immunotherapy. I mean, none of this existed when I was in medical school. So I'm really looking forward to that program in particular. And that's going to be at the famous Pennsylvania Academy for the Fine Arts. And we're super proud of Thomas Aikens, the best painter in American history. And it'll be a fantastic setting for a special, special dinner. So that's just some of the highlights, Fred. Uh, and, of course, I'm going to be there just trying to keep the circus, uh, you know, the big top on time. And I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's amazing when you just went through these speakers. I thought last year's conference was pretty incredible. And it looks like it's just up the game in terms of who you're able to attract and, and the areas that are discussed. I yeah, think well, this don't remind con- us, Fred. Every year it gets harder and harder. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little more work on you. There Indeed. you go. And, you know, you mentioned something interesting I'd just like to touch upon. And there's sort of been this this uh, belief, well, precision medicine sits over here and population health sits over there. Uh, oh. But it's really not two separate entities. And not at they all. can each achieve value from the other, right? bet. We see them as totally synergistic, Fred. It's great, great that you brought that up. So, of course, breaking the human genome and now being able to focus therapy and have a clinical trial of what we call an N of one, save time, save money, save energy, get right to it, plus the artificial intelligence and predictive analytics we can do based on genetic makeup, that's going to contribute to shutting off the faucet and not mopping up the floor. I should also say, Fred, again, uh, we're excited. This will be the fourth time we're going to award the Hearst Population Health Prize. So Hearst, of course, a global brand just like Philips, really exciting. Many of the Hearst leaders will be there. I know who the three finalists are, but even I don't know who the winner is. So that's going to be pretty exciting on Tuesday morning, the uh, 19th. Yeah, that'll be great to hear. Could you give us a quick uh, list of the three? Ah, so, yep. So Arkansas and their very cool rural reduced stroke prevention program, Yale and working with moms who have mental health challenges. And then the third one is at Sharp in California and their transition to hospice care. So, gosh, talk about population health, right? All over the country, both coasts. So uh, I don't know who's going to come out the winner, but all three deserve a lot of kudos, and especially year four. We're grateful to Hearst for their enduring commitment to this $100,000 prize every year. Yeah, I think it's fantastic that Hearst has funded this up, that you oversee this, and you've obviously got this incredible group of people looking at those applications. Yep. Really an amazing, amazing deal, and it is highlighting some unbelievable programs. So I want to thank you for that. And I know, you know, just kind of closing this up before we get to it, you know, Nikki, you talked about pulling all this information together and making it useful for the the patient. 
And David, we've been now adding precision medicine into this. It really is the case where population health touches upon every aspect. And so anybody should really consider coming to this in healthcare because it impacts every area across the organization or facilities or vendors in this space. Amen, Fred. Exactly right. Agree. Yeah, well, thank thank you both. I know we're we're coming up on the end of the half hour. Um, David, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on. The thank work you. you've done at the school is just at the college now. It's just fantastic. The conference is great. So I really appreciate all you've done for our industry. And you too, Nikki, pulling this information together. Population health lives on the data that flows through it to then get those interventions and everything in place. And all that you've done at Phillips as well is fantastic. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. And that'll have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank our special guest, Dr. David Nash, Dean of the Jefferson College of Population Health, and Nikki Buchanan, business leader at the PHM Group at Phillips, for their many insights. Do follow Dr. Nash and the College of Population Health's work on the web via www.jefferson.edu forward slash population health. And on Twitter via at Nash Pop Health and at Jefferson JCPH, respectively. And finally, if you're tasked with population health strategy, standing up a value-based healthcare initiative, or simply drawn to transform the U.S. healthcare system from a sick care to a health-based model, consider joining your peers at the Population Health Colloquium in Philadelphia from March 18th through the 20th. For more information, including an impressive keynote lineup, pre-conferences, and breakout sessions, go to www.populationhealthcolloquium.com. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week, for Dr. Nash, Nikki Buchanan, and Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.